Welcome to the SOS Church Stockholm podcast. We are an international church in the heart of Stockholm that meets every Sunday at 12 p.m. at Drottninggatan 81. The celebration is in English with translation into Swedish, Farsi, and Spanish. Our vision is to be a church that is for all people and to all nations, living the Book of Acts kind of life in Stockholm and to the ends of the earth. We hope that this week's message will challenge and equip you to live a strong life together with Jesus. All right, wonderful. Warm welcome to SOS Church. Let me see, do you have anyone that are here for the first time today? Look at that. We have Rika down here. We have Noah. We have, yes, come on. We have a couple of people. Wonderful. I saw five new hands. You are guests of honor today. We're so happy that you have found this place and we hope that you are going to have a very, a very good service today because I'm going to preach a very good message. I just tell you. I just tell you. And the Word of God is, is so wonderful. It's always inspiring and changing and edifying. All right. I hope that you had a good week. I had an awesome week, actually. Uh, I bought a new double stroller. <laughs> that's how good my week. That's the best thing that's been hap- happening all this week. You know, I have four kids, and my wife, she's been buying so many strollers over the year. Somewhere between 10 and, I don't know, 50 strollers. I've been traveling around buying secondhand strollers all over Stockholm that my wife have picked. But now I picked a stroller. Which was the biggest thing that happened this week, and I fit both of my kids into it. Uh, last week, when I took them to daycare, it was a lot of snow. I was pushing the, the stroller with one hand. I was carrying my three-year-old daughter with the other hand, and it took forever to get to daycare. So now I bought a, a, a special stroller. It's not just any stroller. It's a stroller so that you can run with. It's a running stroller. But you cannot just run, you can also bike with it. I can put it behind a bike and I can bike with a stroller. <laughs> and not just bike, I can even ski with a stroller, praise God. So right now I'm just hoping that we will get some more snow. I'm so sad it's raining away, I hope that we'll get some extra snow. And then I can ski with the kids behind. If you ever see someone coming skiing on the street with the kids behind, it might be me. I have that new stroller, I love it. It's our... It's not just our maybe 25th stroller we ever have, it's also the last one ever. The final one and the best one. And and by the way, I've been on daddy leave for a few weeks. On five weeks and I have three more weeks to go. My wife been home with kids for a long time. We have four kids and she's been studying in between. But now she has started to work and I've been home with the kids. That's why a stroller is it's a big thing nowadays. And when I meet other dads outside daycare, we don't speak about cars. We speak about strollers. My friend, he was like, oh, what an awesome stroller. Now we can run together. You know, like that's the big thing that is happening as a dad staying home. Um, so that's, that's a good week. That's a good week. And, and I've been trying to prepare a message. And normally I have all week to sit with my nose down into the Bible. And I thought when I'm home with the kids, I will have a lot of time studying, reading. I had a lot of things I should do. I just tell you, it's hard. How, how many have ever been home with small kids? Yeah. Uh, you know, like, you don't get so much done. It's like... Keeping them alive is, is, is a full week, is a full day. 
Uh, and I've been, been, been trying to study. I have something prepared, I tell you. I have something prepared. It's not as deep as, 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 as it can be sometimes, but it's, it's from the Word of God and it's going to be good. Amen. And I have found out that, that the Bible is often relating to our everyday life. You know, King Solomon that is considered the wisest man that have ever lived. He said that if you want to be wise, you should go to the ants. And you should stand and watch the ants. So if you ever see someone standing watching an anthill, it might be because they want to be wise. And it said, said that they are working hard. Not because they have a king that is lording over it. No, they are still working hard. So stop being lazy and become like the ant. That's basically what Solomon says. Jesus, who is definitely the wisest person, even wiser than Solomon, said, if you want to be wise, you should inspect the birds. You should pay attention to the birds. Because they don't reap or soar or store up in barns, but yet your heavenly Father gives them everything that they need. So if you want to be wise, watch the birds. <laughs> or it says, if you want to be wise, you should go and watch the flowers of the field. Because they're not laboring or spinning or no, but yet they are dressed in beautiful clothes. You should stop worrying and you should start trusting your heavenly father. That's what, what, what Jesus is saying. So there is, a, there is a lesson in everyday life. If you stop, start to observe, it might be a lesson in what you're in right now that can actually teach you something. And there is something that I've been studying. I haven't been studying the prophetic books so deep this last few weeks, but there is one thing I've been studying close than ever before and that is small kids I've been close 24 7 I've been really close I've been studying and observing and being around four of them all day long all night long you know is have all the time and, and and what I found out is that Jesus is speaking a lot about small kids and so I want to read to you from from Luke's gospel chapter 18 verse 15 where it says that People were bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. When his disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. Why? For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. So small kids are important for Jesus. If you're staying home or if you're raising small kids, it's a challenge. It's a challenge, but it is a well-rewarded challenge because Jesus says that small children should come to me and they are important and the kingdom of God belongs to them. And then he follows up in, in verse 17 where it says, Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. So if you are not becoming like a little child, you will never enter the kingdom of God. Never, ever. It's kind of important to understand what, the, what small children are like. You'll never enter the kingdom of God. And, and we know that the kingdom of God is flowing perfectly up in heaven. And, and there, is, there is a kingdom of God that will be established on earth one day. But the first thing Jesus started to preach was that, that the kingdom of God is now at hand. So repent and believe. Jesus said that when, we should, when you pray, you should pray, let your kingdom come. And your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when we speak about the kingdom of God, it's not just 
one day when you have ended his life, no, is also here and now. And Jesus said in, in Luke's gospel, I think it's chapter 17, that you cannot say here is the kingdom of God or there is the kingdom of God. No, it is within. So you can have the kingdom of God living within you. But if you want it to live within you, you need to be like a small child. Paul the apostle, he wrote in, in Corinthians, if, for, I think it's 1 Corinthians, he said that, uh, I might be wrong, um, but, but he said that the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. So the kingdom of God is power that is dwelling within you. There is a peace and a presence dwelling within you. There is, you, there is a strength dwelling inside of you, not just one day, but here and now on earth. And if you want that power, that presence, that peace to dwell inside of you, you need to be, be like a small child. If you want to be saved and enter into the kingdom of God, you need to be like a small child. Otherwise, you will never enter it. And that gives us the question, what is small children like? And I tell you, I've been studying this. I have deeply been studying this for a few weeks. And I could do a long series about what small children are like. But for your sake, I've been summarizing it into a few points. Are you with me here today? Point number one is this. Small children always looks up. My youngest son, he's one, one year and three months. He's never looking down when he is having... Not really a conversation, but an interaction with someone. He thinks it's a conversation, but it's really just an interaction. He's always looking upwards all the time. He wants to look in my face. He wants to see my reaction. We are having an interaction, even though it's not a dialogue, really. <laughs> if, if he's falling down, the first thing he does is that he's turning around and he's looking at his dad's face. And if I'm smiling, I'm like, Louis, it's all right, get it back up. He's going back up and he keeps on, he thinks he's running, but he's just walking very wobbly. And, you know, but if I'm worried, if I'm running over, I'm like, oh no, what happened? He will start to cry. He's waiting for my reaction. And the first thing he does is always looking up to his dad. If he's doing the forbidden thing, he's going to the stair. He's doing it all the time now and he's climbing. He's not walking the stair. He's climbing two steps, three steps. Then he always turns around and is looking at me. And I'm like, Louis, no. And then often he stays around the third step. Because he's been looking at his dad and he's like, mm, I shouldn't keep on going. But I tell you, the last week he has stopped obeying. He's climbing just faster. He's looking at me and then he's climbing faster all the way up. And I need to try to take him. Uh, but there is a lesson in studying small children. I think that when you go through life, you need to turn around and you need to look up to your Heavenly Father and be like, Daddy, am I all right? Am, am, am I doing good? I know like this happened, but am I still on the right path? <laughs> can I go up from this stair? Are, are, are we fine with that? And, and, and you can you know, just looking at your Heavenly Dad to see if you're doing all right. Can, should I keep on dating this girl or this guy or not? You know, like, it's good to look at your dad and see, like, do I have a go-ahead? Or is this a bad idea? You know, when you and me, we should be like small children, and then we need to look up and see what our ha heavenly dad's response is. 
It's written like this in, uh, in Psalm 123 in verse 1. The psalmist says, I lift my eyes to you, to you who sit enthroned in heaven. We need to lift our eyes towards heaven and see what our heavenly dad says. The psalmist says in, in Psalm 63, he says he's not just speaking about lifting your eyes, but he speaks about lifting your hands. He says, so I will bless you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. There is something my son is doing so many times every day. It's not just looking up. He's running towards me with his arms lifted up like this. And there's a few reasons why he wants to do it. It is sometimes because he's tired, or he's hungry, or he's worried, or afraid, or he has hurt himself. Then he's coming running like this. And he wants me to lift him up. Why? Because he's in a vulnerable place. If you're afraid, if you're worried, if, if, if you're you know, tired, you're vulnerable. And it's important that you go to the right place. Maybe you're in that situation right now. You're going through something rough. You are going through worries. You're going through difficulties or threats. Where you go will determine how it goes to you. Are you running to your heavenly father or are you running to all other friends that gives you ideas that is not taking you to the right place? Where you go determine how it goes. And especially if you are in a vulnerable place. You need to go to the right source. So my, my son is coming running to me and I'm lifting him up. And there is one reason especially that he's running very quick. And that is if my sister is coming to our house with her dog. That dog has the same, you know, like Louis and him has the same ice height. They're looking straight in their eyes. But the dog has a big mouth. And big teeth. So my, my, my son is always coming, running, and he wants me to lift him up. And when, I'm in, when he's in my arms, he loves the dog. He's even like, he's looking at it, he's pointing at it, he's like, woof, woof. He's trying to sound like it. He loves the dog. But when he's on the same height, he doesn't love it. One reason you should lift up your eyes and lift up your hands is because when your heavenly father lifts you up, you get another perspective. Amen. Now you're looking down, right? You're safe because you are with him. And, and, and if you are in a vulnerable place, you need to stretch up your arms so that your heavenly father can lift you up. And now you can look down on the dog or the devil or whatever obstacles or, or enemy that is trying to get hold of you. And when you, your daddy is carrying you, that devil or dog is not a threat to you anymore because it's around your daddy's feet and whatever your daddy wants, he can kick that devil. Are you with me? And you feel safe. You can look down on it because he's beneath you. You get the right perspective. You have received authority here on earth, but the Bible says, not because of you, but when you are with your heavenly father. Amen. So you get a new perspective. James, he writes like this in his fourth chapter, verse 5. He says, 
Or do you think that scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit that he has caused to dwell in us? God is jealous at you. If, if, if you're never going to your father, if you just go to everyone else, God is jealous at you. Many people think that if he's jealous at me, he's mad at me. He's not mad at you, he's mad about you. He loves you and he wants you to be close. He's jealous at you because he loves you so much. And then James says, but he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourself then to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. But you need to be humble. If there is something small kids are, they are very humble. They know that they need help. All day, every day, all the time. And if you have four kids, it's a lot of help that you need to give. Uh, I just tell you. But we should be like small kids. I, I've been studying this really. Number two is that small children have contagious joy. I was home with my son. I was doing... Uh, some things he's not allowed to do when the siblings are home. We go into their rooms and we're playing with their things. And he's jumping in their bed. And they, the siblings don't want him to mess up in their rooms. But we're doing it when they are in school. <laughs> so we're having a good time. And he's laughing. And I'm playing with him on the bed. And he's laughing and laughing and laughing. And in the middle of it, I'm like, where does he get that joy from? It's so much joy for almost nothing. Like... But he's so happy. And, I, I, and I'm struggling myself. I'm like, I want to be in the moment. I want to enjoy it. I want to laugh from my heart and have a good time with him. Because I know that this is our last kid. <laughs> last kid. <laughs> and this is the only time I'm, I'm, I'm home with him. Like, I want to enjoy the moment. But I realize that I have a hard time rejoicing with him. Because I'm so occupied in my mind what I'm going to do ne next. About the phone call I have to do when he's sleeping. And that I hope that he will sleep a long time. Because I have a long list of things I need to get done. And I have some problems I need to solve. And I, you know like some issues. I need to fix a lot of things. And I realize I cannot live without joy. Because I have too much worries. And when I go to the Bible, I know that the Bible is speaking about how we should handle these worries. Jesus says like this in, in uh, Matthew 6.25. He says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And if you don't know the answer, it's, it's no. You cannot. Verse 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day have enough trouble of its own. If I, I don't say it's a quick fix, but I think if we can trust our Father more, with our worries. I think that we can rejoice more. I, pray, I, I believe that we can have more joy. But it's really a matter of trust. I have all the time different things happening. And I need to deal with different issues and different problems. And that can eat me. But I need to deal with it. 
and trust God that God okay God I, I surrender this to you I invite you into my situation and God let's work this out together but not right now now I'm going to enjoy this moment I'm not going to let worries about tomorrow steal my today maybe you are having an awesome life right now but still you're miserable because you're worrying maybe everyone in your family are healthy but you cannot enjoy that health because you worry about what might happen later worrying is thinking about the worst thing that can happen in the future and that's really the opposite of trust or faith faith is trusting God about your tomorrow I cannot control it but I'm going to trust God uh, worry is almost like like, like if I, I, I feel like when you start to worry, it's almost like you're, you have a boat that is out on the ocean and you get a hole in the bo boat. And all of a sudden that boat is just filled up with water and that boat is sinking. That is worry for your joy. If you're trying to live with joy and, and you start to worry, it's like you get a hole in your boat. And that those worries is filling your boat up into its sinking and you, now you have no joy. But actually the mark of living a life with God is joy. Galatians speaks about the fruits of the Spirit or what is marking someone walking with God. And one of the fruit or mark of living close to God is joy. It doesn't mean that you will have no trouble. It doesn't mean that you will have no difficulties. It means that you will trust God and you will live close to Him so that you can have joy in the midst of adversary. That, uh, the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And joy and happiness is two different things. Happiness is more depending on your circumstances right now. While joy is more what you have in here. Deep in here. Are you with me? Uh, small children, they are full of joy. Number three, small children are longing for attention. They crave attention yesterday i was on a on a practice or a training with my daughter thea that is six years old and they were in this sports hall and they were having like an obstacle race they were running around and around and around and and you know life is busy so i tried to get in my work working out while she's there i so i'm dressed to go out running when when she has her an hour practice and i'm i'm standing watching for 20 minutes because it's raining outside and i don't want to run too long so, so I'm, I'm watching her for a while and, and 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 when she's running that obstacle race every now and then she's looking at me but trying to not having me seeing it kind of like like just looking that I'm paying attention to her and when, when she's running by I'm like good tea and I give her a thumbs up and she's running and, and after 20 minutes I, I go out I put on my shoes and I'm just about to go out to run and she's coming running out from the practice and she says she says please dad can you just stay and watch me a little bit longer can you just look at me a little bit longer? And I'm taking off my shoes and I'm walking back in and I'm standing there and, and I'm watching her doing the same thing she has done for 20 minutes. And, and I'm like, good job, you know, like, uh, but it means, <laughs> you, you know, it, it feels like this is a small thing. I watched you for so long, but for her, it meant so much. And I think that we are like that with our heavenly father. We're like, dad, watch me. I want your attention. I want your presence. Moses, I read this a few weeks ago, but it's one of my favorite passages from Exodus 33. Uh, the Lord tells Moses in, in the desert, he says, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And I think there is a whole lesson in it. When you are living in his presence, you can get rest.
you can start to enjoy life because there's a rest in his presence. And Moses even says, he says, if your presence does not go with us, don't set us up from here. We stay in the desert. Why should we go up anywhere if your presence, if your attention is not on us? And what will distinguish us from all other people if your presence is not with us? Kids are craving the attention of parents. And I think we should crave God's attention. God, I want your presence in my life. When me and my wife tried to have a conversation, my three-year-old, she always wants to interrupt us. Uh, she speak, from the moment she's opening her eyes in the morning until she's closing them at night, she's talking <laughs> nonstop. And she wants the attention. And if me and my wife are speaking, she's trying to interrupt us. And, and, and we, we are like, just wait, just wait. We try to teach her to wait sometimes when we're talking. And then she's crawling up, she's sitting in my lap. And after a while, she will take my cheeks. And she's like, look at me, dad. Listen to me. And she wants to speak. You know, I'm, I'm not allowed to look. She wants the full attention. And now if, you, if I give it to her, so many times she don't even know what to say. She, don't, she have nothing to say. And she's coming up with some crazy things now just because she got the attention. And now, now she's trying to come up with something to say. She had nothing to say. But she just wants attention. And I think that is how it is with us and God at times. Because we want God's presence. And here is the good thing. When, 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 when you draw close to him, he's giving, when you don't know what to say, he's giving you another language. In, in Romans 8 and 28, it's written like this. That um, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. You want to draw close to your Heavenly Father, you want His attention, and you don't even know what to say, but here is the beautiful thing, He can give you His prayer language. He can give you this gift of speaking in new tongues. And if you're new to our community, and sometimes you hear someone next to you, or start going like this, and you're like, wow, this is, this is a bit crazy, like what's happening now? Are they speaking Hebrews? It's not the Hebrews, it is a prayer prayer language that the Holy Spirit can give to us so that we can pray spirit to spirit with our Heavenly Father. You want this attention but you don't know what to say but you can have a long interaction, a deep communication now in this prayer language. We are like small children when we're coming into His presence. Amen? Number four is this. Small children follow examples. There is one th there is many things, but there's especially one thing that is annoying me a lot with, with our kids. And that is when they're walking in with shoes on. Especially in the winter, it gets dirty all over. And they're doing it all the time. And I'm like, don't go in with shoes on. But it's almost like, it, no matter how many times I tell them, it's like it doesn't have an effect because I'm doing it too. Uh, I think it's so convenient walking in with the shoes on if I should just get some, like taking off the shoes and like I'm doing it all the time and because I do it it's like they're like but you're doing it yes but I'm also cleaning I'm telling them but still it's like kids do what parents do not what they say if kids just did what we said I think all kids would be raised beautifully huh 
Because we're saying a lot of good things, but they are imitating. They're doing what we do. And, and that's how we are functioning as well. That's why Paul, he wrote to the church in Corinth, he said that, you should imitate me as I'm imitating Christ. And like small children, we are always imitating people that we are around. That, that tells me you better be around people walking in the direction you want to walk into. You better be around people that are imitating Christ. Because if they don't imitate Christ, they're imitating someone else. And, 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 and it might be that you're imitating some very bad behavior. We are imitating. Number five is this. Small children has a limitless imagination. There is no limits. Every day I hear the most crazy things. <laughs> Yesterday my... Daughter, when she was coming down and, and, and she didn't have the, the beautiful dress she loves to have, she had more boring clothes, like just black and, 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 and brown shirt. And she's like, today I am an adult. <laughs> because she had these boring clothes, I'm an adult. We came to daycare and she told the teachers directly, she was like, today I'm an adult. And they were like, are you, the, are you an adult today too? You wore that last thing, you know, like... She's saying those things and she's kind of not believing it. But I'm, I can also fly because there are some flappy things here on the shoulders and she's like, I can fly with them. I'm like, really? And, and it sounds like she believes it at least. I, 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 I don't know, but they have such an imagination. And I think it has to do with if, if, if this is your life from this side to that side. If you're a kid, you've been walking this far. And you can just draw from this experience. You don't have so much past to draw from. You cannot go back and say, oh, I can actually not fly. I'm like, it's not real realistic. Because they haven't been studying. They don't know what realistic is. So it's more like they are imagining their future. But the risk is as we grow older, we start to always draw from our experiences and, and we don't imagine so much. We stop dreaming and we let our, our past define the future. And we stop imagining, we stop dreaming. And here is the problem if you stop dreaming and imagining, it is that you stop living in faith. Because faith is a very good friend of imagination. Actually, if you should have faith for anything, you need imagination. Is very closely linked because both is about something that have not happened yet. The only difference between imagination and faith is that that faith is imagination put into action. You, you've been imagining something you want to do so long and, and now you have faith. You're like, I'm going for it. I think it works. I have faith that it's going to work. And you start to go after it. My friend, don't stop dreaming. Don't stop imagining that things can be different. Don't let your past define your future. Keep on living. Keep on moving forward. Amen? Children has limitless imagination. Here is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible in 1 Corinthians 8 and 2, where it's written, those who think they know something do not yet know what they ought to know. Awesome scripture. If you think that you know something, you don't know what you should know. If you're like, I get it all figured out. I know things. Not. No, you don't know. If you think you know, you don't know. Uh, Kids are never prideful. They are always curious. They always want to grow and learn. And if you want to live in the kingdom of God, if you want to live close to God, if you want His presence to mark your life, you need to be like a child on the inside.
All right. First Corinthians 2 and 9 says, um, says this. Let's see. What no eyes have seen and what no ears, ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. I love this. It's not about what you have seen or heard. It's not from your experience. It's not what you've been through. And it's not conceived in a human mind. But God is revealing it if you love him. And, and if you want to love him, you need to be close to him. If you love your spouse, you're close to your spouse. You're spending time, you draw close. And if you draw close to our, your heavenly father, he's going to drop information. He's going to drop ideas. He's going to paint up another future. He's going to show you possibilities. You feel like there's no way forward right now. But God is saying there is a way forward. Because with God is always a way forward. With, with God is never a dead end. There's always possibilities. And he wants to help you dream and see how he sees things you need to be like a child not just seeing the the problem see the possibilities and then you can one day see it happen what no mind has has conceived but what is conceived in God amen, amen. the last uh, last thing is this uh, small children falls but get back up again there is no greater teacher than repetition and my son, he has just started to walk, but he's still falling, I feel like a thousand times every day. A couple of days every, every day, he's falling down from chairs. He's taking his chairs, he's up, he wants to dish or try to find something in the kitchen, and he's falling down. There's no way to stop him, uh, but falling is not the failure. Because the, then everyone that tried to start to walk are failing. So first time he was walking a few steps and falling down, we were not like, oh, what a failure. No, we were, wow, he walks five steps, and that is awesome. We even have been film, trying to film the kids when they take their first steps, because we see it as a success. We see it, you know, it's not a failure. And the only way to learn is to dare trying. If you stop daring trying new things, if you're just doing what you're comfortable doing and what you have done before and what you know you can handle, then you're not moving forward any longer. You're not living a life in faith. And when you fail, you're not failing. The only failure is if you stay down. During the pandemic, we went skiing with a pastor's team. And... and, and <laughs> And I wish I had everything on film. Uh, Sablon, he was showing a new way to get down the slope. He was swimming down the slope. <laughs> and his kids was telling him, come on, get back up, dad. Dad, you can do it. Come on, dad, don't give up. You've been telling us not give up. Show that you are a mangare. Huh? And, and, and he was swimming down, down the slope. And it took... A long time to learn to go down a slope on the skis. I don't know if you learn, basically, but maybe. But the kids, they learn it so quick. All our kids went and they were falling a few times and get back up. And, 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 and it, took a, it took a few hours and they all know how to ski. But it was harder for Douglas and Sablon. It was much more difficult <laughs> for Sablon. <laughs> and uh, why? Because the kid, for the kids, it was not a big deal if they were falling. They were falling, they get back up there, they are going, and they're not afraid how to stop. 
They're not thinking about stopping. They're like just now going. And stop, it's just going to happen. They're falling somewhere. And, but, but if you're afraid of falling, it's hard to move forward. Uh, you need to dare falling if you want to live a life of faith. And if you want the kingdom of God to be a reality in your life, you need to live a life of faith. Without faith, it is not hard to please God. It is completely impossible to please God. Faith is the only way to please God and experience new and great things. Proverbs says that, uh, Proverbs 24 and 16 says, and, and though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. But the wicked stumble when uh, calamity strikes. If you want to live a life with God, you need to get back up again. You need to dare moving forward. Maybe right now as I'm speaking, you're like, I'm down on my butt. I have been falling. I don't know how to get up. I tell you, you better get up again. If you've been falling in sin, if you've been giving in to temptation, if you've been giving up for another lifestyle, I don't know where you are at right now, but I know that you need to get back up again. And the only way to really, uh, to really fail is to stay down. To fall is not a failure. The only failure is if you stay down. So you need to get back up again. 